0: Welcome to Malicious Mamas, a show that brings you tales of terrifying females from lore, legend, and everything in between. I am your host, Nikki Mandiola. We're back with another remastered episode of A Truly Weird Story. This week's subject happens to be quite the controversy because she may not have actually killed anyone. Her legend involves a lot of hearsay and witness testimonies, but no solid proof of murder. Despite that, she is still considered the first female serial killer in the U.S., Keep it locked here for a tale of highway gangs and super strong thighs. Yeah, you heard me right. Without further ado, let's get down to it. This week's topic is Lavinia Fisher. Born sometime in 1793, Lavinia's beginnings are somewhat of a mystery. What we do know is that she spent the majority of her life in the U.S., specifically in Charleston, South Carolina, where her story takes place. There, she married John Fisher, and the couple set up the Six Mile Warefarer House, a hotel located about six miles north of Charleston. The pair also happened to be active members of a large highway gang in the area, which, believe it or not, would come back to bite her in the end. Miles outside the city, during the early 19th century, the gang operated out of her place of business, as well as the conveniently named Five Mile House. Fisher's Hotel also managed to do what a hotel is designed for, house guests for a brief stay. This only became an issue when word traveled back to the local sheriff about guests going missing. With a lack of evidence, and the Fishers actually being quite popular amongst locals, the authorities eventually dropped their initial investigation. Those who still thought that the Fishers were no-good rotten murderers believed Lavinia finished off her guests in a number of ways. For one, she needed to get her victims, mostly men traveling alone, into the hotel. She did this by simply inviting them over for dinner. During their meal, Lavinia would ask her guests what they did for work, not so discreetly trying to figure out if they had any money or not. If no red flags were raised by the guest, and they mentioned being ready to retire for the evening, Lavinia would give them a cup of tea, mixed with a bit of poison. Drinking the tea would kill the unsuspecting guest, and just to make sure everything was taken care of, Mr. Fisher would stab the poor guy a couple of times for good measure. Another version, which would later be verified by a witness, detailed that Lavinia would give her victim a cup of poison tea designed to just lull them into a deep sleep. The guests would then be laid on the bed in their room. Lavinia would pull a lever collapsing the bed, which would drop her victim into a spiked pit. Pretty elaborate, right? In a little less House of Horror-style death, some believed that Lavinia herself would easily crush the heads of her guests between her thighs. Here is where I drop the fact that the tales of her alleged murders became so exaggerated over time that it's hard to decipher fact from fiction. You can believe the Thigh story, or you can dismiss it. Up to you. Now, remember how Lavinia wasn't necessarily considered a murderer? Well, that doesn't mean she wasn't convicted of something. We wouldn't really have the story if she got off scot-free. As members of a highway gang, both of the Fishers would be brought in on the charge of highway robbery, a capital offense. This conviction was a result of two specific situations. First, in 1819, a vigilante gang came to the Fishers' neighborhood to stop the dangerous gang activity in the area. Once satisfied that they had accomplished their goal, the vigilantes left town. All but one of them, that is. David Ross, a young member of the gang, remained in the area to stand watch. How they thought it was a good idea to leave only one of them behind is beyond me. Early the next morning, Ross was attacked by two men and brought before the Fishers' gang. When Ross spotted Lavinia amongst the men, he pleaded to what he thought would be an empathetic woman. Instead, Lavinia showed off her womanly charms by choking the man and smashing his head through a window. Somehow, the man managed to escape and alert authorities. Immediately following this, in what could be considered a busy day... A traveler named John Peoples walked into the Six Mile, inquiring if a room was available. Lavinia was quick to tell the man that there was currently no vacancy, but insisted he stay for some tea. In an unforeseen twist, Peoples actually did not enjoy tea, but at the risk of seeming rude, agreed to stay. While Lavinia's back was turned, the man dumped out his cup. Maybe she was off her game that day, as Peoples described his conversation with Lavinia as more of an interrogation. She asked her usual about his life and money situation, which immediately made the man suspicious. Especially at the end where Lavinia told him that a room was now suddenly available. Peoples took up her offer of a stay, but still uncomfortable after their talk, he decided to sleep in a chair by the door. In the middle of the night, the man was awoken by the sound of a bed collapsing, and with this, he realized Lavinia's plan. Jumping from the window people's journeyed to Charleston to alert the authorities. Now that the police had something solid to go on, they immediately left for the Fisher's hotel. John surrendered right away in an attempt to protect his wife from the possible gunfire that would ensue. Mr. Fisher would again try to shield his wife from harm's way by revealing each of the gang members' names during the investigation, hoping it would help to release her. It did not. The pair pleaded not guilty during their arraignment, but would soon be found guilty of highway robbery by a jury during their trial. Kept in a jail cell together, the judge residing over their case allowed the couple an appeal. Not heavily guarded, the pair attempted an escape by creating a rope made of their bed linens. During John's journey to freedom on this makeshift rope, it broke. Refusing to leave his wife behind, Mr. Fisher was soon apprehended. After this, their cell was kept under tight security. On top of that, their appeal was also rejected and the couple was sentenced to death by hanging. Although imprisoned, Lavinia kept to her cunning ways. In South Carolina at the time, it was law that a married woman could not be hanged. Once Lavinia figured this out, she mentioned it at her trial to which the judge responded that her husband would be hanged first, leaving Lavinia as a widow eligible for the same fate. With her first safety plan out the window, Lavinia concocted another. As a considerably beautiful woman, she believed that by wearing a wedding dress on the day of her execution, she could seduce a man in the audience to marry her on the spot, what with a priest present after all. When this didn't work, she was out of time. Infuriated that she would not be pardoned after all, and with a noose around her neck, her last words were, If you have a message you want to send to hell, give it to me and I'll carry it. Then, not wanting to give the satisfaction of ending her life to someone, she jumped off the gallows herself. To this day, it is said that her spirit haunts the old Charleston jailhouse, possibly still seeking being pardoned of her crimes. On that note, let's conclude this episode. If you have any suggestions on Mamas you'd like me to cover or a spooky tale to share, please send an email to maliciousmamas at gmail.com. If you're looking for more mamas in your life, follow Malicious Mamas on Instagram. Also, if you could rate, review, and subscribe to Malicious Mamas on your favorite podcast app, it would really help the show find other spooky tale lovers as yourself, and I would greatly appreciate the feedback. Until next time, keep it real, mamas.